This podcast is powered by Mountain Fuel, nutrition for runners, and you can get 10% off all orders by heading to the Mountain Fuel website and entering the code It's All Good 10. The Cabs with Everything Around Me podcast. Mikey joins me on this episode of Carbs Rule. Mikey's a Welshman living in Surrey who has a love of trail running, speaking out on mental health, wearing weight vests like it's a regular piece of clothing and working on his guns. Now, this podcast isn't about firearms. I'm more talking about pumping iron in the gym. And again, we can go into this further. And just for everybody yeah. listening, um, this is being recorded on the weekend of bonfire night. So you might hear a few additional sound effects in the background. So welcome for dropping in, Mikey. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. So um, just, yeah, I'd like to reintroduce myself. So it's um, it's Mikey Goodman and on Instagram, that's Mikey Trail Run. So obviously I kept the trail run handle. I've been toying with the idea of like, oh, shall I add something a little bit more gym-based in yeah. there? Because I do all these other crazy stuff. Like not so much OCR, but more like military OCR in a way. I just thought that it's a bit of a state yeah. name now. I think everyone knows what, what kind of idiot Mikey Trail Run is. I think if I get to change it, it'll cause problems. But, uh, no, they do. And, you know, um, I think it could end up um, being a case of you patenting that um, handle. You know, it, yeah. dep- it depends um, where you go. You know, you might end up a um, full-on influencer. Well, well, it's, it. it's, your, it's your own. You've got, you got to think about the future, mate. But on a serious note, thanks for <laughs> dropping in. And I know that we... I've had a chat in the past and I reached out to you and mentioned about you coming onto the podcast and I know that you've had a conversation with me in the past about wanting to speak about you know your background in running and why you're so passionate about mental health but for those listening um, you jokingly said to me for um, you to be introduced as king of the mountain. That's right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so that's the, the select the select few from Runspire who who um, we went to Penavan and Brecon Beacons in Wales in September, and um, for me it's fantastic. I mean, Penavan is my it's my mecca. Um, mm. You would have noticed on on my WhatsApp. Did you notice that picture? I know it's quite small on WhatsApp, but it's it's basically my back looking out. Yeah, uh, sat on an edge of a rock with a drop cheer drop straight down. You just sat on the edge of the rock looking out, and that is my mental health and physical health mecca. Um, so for me to then bring, I think it was about 14 of us from, from Runspire there. Um, like Ed did all the bookings for the accommodation and everything like that, and there was like quite a bit of organising going on. And I was tasked with being the route master, and uh, that sort of transpired into basically being Ant Middleton for the day, which... Uh, <laughs> Which I absolutely relished the amount oh, of time yeah. that I was, I was, because uh, I, I had, I had like my burger and it wasn't like weighed down or anything like that, but it just like, I had like random bits and pieces in there and I had space if anyone wanted to carry stuff, but not carry a backpack of their own. So I had that, I had my poles because um just wanted to get used to using them training for some things for next year. So, so I, lo- I bloody looked the part, that's for sure. And uh, I just remember going up those mountains and giving all these Ant Middleton impressions. I was going, do not be lost! And giving all that. Oh, goodness. Just... I, bet, I bet some people end up hating you by the end of the weekend. Just like uh, work, working them through the motions. And you know, <laughs> I know that it's not an easy climb. Um, you know, it's, but... 
it's not an easy climb. I think um, I, I joke with Ant Middleton because I, I always do like my impressions and take the mickey out of him. Um, but there's something about his mindset that I don't agree with. But I mean, mm. he's a great guy and all that. But how I would say I'm probably quite different to, to him and his leadership style is I, I, I lead from behind. I don't lead from the front. So I'm yeah. not charging from the front saying, follow me, keep up. I'll actually be at the back, be quite quiet. And this this was quite evident when we did go to Penavan. Perhaps some of the slower ones were just losing their mindset a little bit, going up some really yeah. steep hills. And there's a couple who talked themselves out of it before we'd even started and said, I can't, mm. get up, can't get up this. I was like, you can, you can, you know, and just sort of gently coercing them into taking another couple of steps, have a breather. Yeah. And... I would be at the very back, perhaps about five meters away from the last person of the group. And what I wouldn't do then is get up on their shoulder and yeah. let them know you're holding me up. And that is leading from the back. So you're allowing them to push themselves on. You're not mm. physically dragging them up. The difference in the mental gains you get by being led from behind and led from the front is you're not bullied into it. You've bullied your well not bullied you're not bullied into it by someone else you're not doing mm. it you've been to do it you've done it because you've wanted to do it you've done it because you have decided you're not going to give up and you have decided you want to get over there and that is the the two differences between being a front end leader and a rear end leader so basically that's how I was doing and I was joking around with all the Aunt Middleton stuff but when we finally got up there there was just this great picture of me with the Bergen and my my sticks and I think it was Ed who'd called me the king of the mountain and I think it just stuck then so uh, yeah I, that I, 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 I do love that shot because I've seen it on Instagram and I've seen it on your WhatsApp as well and you know I think it'd look great you know you're saying that is your mecca in regards to mental health you know yeah. mountaineering and I think it would be such a fantastic shot if it were placed in a photo frame I hope you're not going to tell me you've got it in a photo frame or whether it's your intention to. I've already been trying to crop it out and work out how I'm going to get it. Oh, wicked. Yeah. I got the dragon tattoo and I just thought, well, I need this silhouette of Penavan somewhere. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, for those listening, you know, in Rudspire, it's an online running community set up probably 18, 24 months ago. And, you know, I think that's the power of, how social media can be really positive as well as the power of how much of a positive impact running can have on other people you know because those online communities in particular unspire is transferred into something real where lifelong relationships and friendships of you know that just ended up being put into place and it leads me on to something that i do want to ask you mikey which you know um it can be deemed as like a typical question of like why do you love running however what I want to ask you is something differently you know which is how did you get into running so a few years ago like five years ago I, I started running and I was never very good at it in school I was rubbish at it I excelled in cadets and I always wanted mm. to join the military but I was really unfit and I was rubbish at running and I had the mindset of you're born like it you know, you're either born fit or yeah. you're not. And I just thought, oh, I'm one of those that's not fit. And I went mm. off all of joining the military, which um, which is an incredibly sore point that I'll sort of, I'll get round to explaining that. Um, 
but yeah so like about five years ago i started running again and got to 5k and then tried to bring it under 30 minutes and then like my best friend's wife was entered in a 10k i'd never run 10k but she was injured so i had like a week's notice she said like do you want my my place so i was like oh, well i'll give it a go and i did it and then, then that gave me the motivation to be like right actually i'll train a bit further and do a half marathon which mm. i did then kind of a bit of a long story short but it was it was then in a relationship that to sort of summarize it was uh, unbeknown to me but now completely apparent that it was a coercively controlled or mentally mm. abusive sort of relationship that I came out of very badly yeah. um, so essentially running came out of the back of that because it got to the point where I I couldn't take it any longer so I took myself to A&E because I didn't want to be around anymore and I didn't trust myself so yeah. it's about two years ago I, I just I took myself there because I knew it was the safe place to be because home wasn't safe mm -hmm. mentally. and off the back of that I ended the relationship I moved in with my mum and dad and I was obviously in a bit of a bit of a shit place but yeah. picking up all these loose like hypothetical bits of paper everywhere just trying to rebuild my life and not really coping and I, I just thought you know what, I'm just going to go for a run and I ran and I did just over a kilometer I, yeah it was, a, it was about a mile I did mm. and I was knackered oh, I couldn't do it and I thought well that, that wasn't me three years ago mm. but that is something I can fix because yeah. I know I can run better and I know how to train to run better now I can't fix my mental health or my life overnight but I need something to get better to give me the encouragement to make the rest of it better and thus yeah. start my running career for that well, it's not a career but I mean from there on it's just a short run turned into a slightly longer one a slightly longer one and I started to enjoy it whether it was things like endorphins mm. or just routine that's yeah. how I that's how I then got into it and then seeing the benefits like oh I can actually run a bit further it gave me that motivation to be like well two months ago I could only run a mile now I'm running three miles mm -hmm. put that in mental health terms two months ago I was in A&E I'm now I'm now back at work I'm slightly enjoying life a lot more I'm physically fitter than than I was you they can then start to see through physical benefits via running how your life is getting better and as long as you can translate that into your mental health and your overall life as well yeah that, it's, that, that's it's, what's kept it's pushing those limitations isn't it and you, you can't just jump straight into the deep end and think you know what i'm gonna go out and i want to run 10 kilometers and i want to do it in 45 minutes because you're not going to do it if you go in at that angle you know you are setting yourself up for failure because first time out you'll be like well i've tried it it didn't go well so i'll try the next best thing or whatever you think is the next best thing at that time but when you cast your mind back mikey to where you was at in your life so you've come out of you know um you know correct me you know there's a better phrase a turbulent relationship that you know has you know um pretty much pulled you apart you know you're back living with your mum and dad which i'm sure at that time in your life you didn't expect and you know you've said that you know that it sounds like your life was in tatters for a period of time i'm sure at that period of time that like your mindset was insecure what was it 
if you do remember that, cause you to think, I'm just going to go out for a run? Um, well, I wouldn't say it was boredom because I was uh, basically I was living with my mum and dad for about 10 months just to sort of put that mm. into perspective. So it was part of my transition. So I'd stay there on weekends and then I'd basically stay in hotels back up in Surrey where, where I was working during the week. Yeah. So I I took like, I think it was about two weeks off work. And then I think it was around Christmas time that I actually went out for my first run. So I'd, I'd been out of the relationship for a good month and a half. And I think it was just because it was sort of Christmas week I've been working and I I sort of come to terms with the thought of like, actually, I want to go and do something physically. You know, I wouldn't have gone out for a run immediately after leaving the relationship. I did take me a little time to collect my thoughts. And I think it was probably something quite um, innate inside me that needed to actually do some physical exercise because I don't cope well when I'm not doing it. And I think, yeah, because I'm quite stagnant in the relationship like I wasn't really allowed to go out to exercise mm. then that was sort of like a, right I need I, I can do this I need to go and do this now yeah and did you did you find it was so you look at running you know as movement was it like did it become a guardian angel for you so that starting point is a coping strategy and I know that coping strategies are key you know you can't be reliant on one thing but was that the start point where you thought I'm getting joy out of this it is good for me you know what what else can I push myself to doing and I know that we you know um, do uh, push our limitations you know um, incredibly high you know we raise the bar high you know which I'm sure that you know you do agree with me I know that you're um, nodding your head there um, but when you saw that wow you know um, it's making me feel really good this yeah you know, um, is, is, is this and you've referred to it as being your career but in regards to other strategies what else came into place that worked for you at that time in your life yeah so it's um running as like as most people do running whether it's it's just like on the pavements just running jogging mm. you know sort of recreational jogging open the doors for then other things and I think without that I would have still been scratching around trying to work out the rest of my life yeah the reason why I said I'll go back to the sort of bit where I regretted not joining the military is running made me realize things so Mm. running started getting me fit and healthy again then there was the uh yeah so that was like Christmas 2018 then in January 2019 uh was the release of the the next series of the SAS Sudo's Wins program. Yeah. And watching that just made me think, right, I'm, I'm actually getting fitter. That mm. is exactly what I want to do. That's like the military career I wish I had. And I started realizing, yeah. oh my God, I've just been through this horrible period of my life. I'm incredibly unfit. But, but that, that on the screen there is what I've always dreamed of doing. Mm-hmm this is my chance to actually go and okay not join the join the military now but to go and do the next best thing and from there so I was then watching that program I was done climbing mountains and massive bergens and I was just completely fueled with emotion and passion saying that is what I want to do Mm. so running became then just a means of keeping fit and I started looking for all these other things that are more than the military um sort of 
style if you like so like yeah. the weighted the burgers so even for me now running is is only part of part of the exercise yeah. routine whereas like trail running is probably more more me naturally because it's more outdoorsy again it's like slightly mm. more related to the military than running on the roads and things like that but without going for that initial run i probably wouldn't have been watching that program thinking i can do that because yeah. i knew i couldn't run a mile but by training myself up to it i started to remember actually you can train your fitness you, you know you can do that yeah of course so so would, you, would you say it's gone from initially being running to you turn the dial and it's your lifestyle in regards to movement is more endurance based because i know that you are fond of mixing it up and not just strictly sticking to running which you know it's it's a myth people you know just see that a runner runs and that's where they think it starts and stop which you know i know, yeah. know it does with some people i know it certainly doesn't with you so you know you, you do mix it up and you know um I, i've seen you with the weighted you know vests on you know just going out alpha leather you know and is is that also pushing your limitations like what is the next step for me what am i capable of yeah that's it exactly because um for example there's there's one race which which stands out massively in my mind as being a great example for that which is it's called the fan dance which um you go over penavan and there's a particular route which is one of the one of the test exercises for SAS selection. Mm. So you have to do it with a, a Bergen, like a weighted backpack of a certain weight. And you have to do that within a certain time. Now, most people do it recreationally or they'll do the race, but whatever time they finish, you're just grateful to finish because it's an absolute bashing to your body. Mm. Um, so for me, it's like, well, okay, I can run, but it's not enough. I need something more. And then it was like, Right, I, I've climbed Penavan, that's great, but now I want to climb it with a weight. And then actually like doing a little bit of research and realising, ah, there's this event called the Fan Dance. Mm. It's an SAS selection test. You know, it's more badass than running because you've got a, a 40 pound backpack on you. Yeah. And it's like those sorts of things is like, well, just keep pushing me. And now I've done it. I, I did it in four hours, 15. I wanted to do it in four. So it's like, right, well, now I've, I've got to bring that time down. But all that does is, is it's opened um, other races that I want to do that are even harder than that now. But like you say, oh, yeah. looking for more. So for me, the dream isn't like, oh, I really want to run London Marathon. It's like, I couldn't think of anything worse for four hours. But four yeah. hours over a, over a mountain <laughs> with a stupid heavy backpack in the snow, oh, give me that any day. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. more my And that's where I'm at. Because it's like, you know, um, I got a flavour of marathon running at Manchester last year and you know, I've done marathon distance a couple of times, but it's like, right, I, I want to do that marathon distance, but I want it to be more challenging. I want there to be mountains, hills, gradients in it. I want to be out of breath a majority of the time, not just coast along, which, um, you know, one thing does lead to the next. And, you know, somehow I've ended up signing up for a 50-mile ultra in Chester. But, it's, you know, it's about those, those limitations that we have. And I... I don't think that we do discover what our potential is. And I know that adversity and also influences from other people can hold us back. But, you know, we, we, I think as humans, we do not live to our potential. We don't have to live to our potential. But, you know, um, 
I don't ever want to be that person who is on the deathbed and I reflect on my life and I think, you know what, I wish I'd done that. You know, I wish I'd gone out and I'd done this race or I wish I'd gone bungee jumping or I wish I'd travelled to this country. You know, I don't want to be one of those people. And, you know, I know that adversity does put us off, like I say, and, you know, it sort of delves into, you know, um, our mental health journeys as well. That can be off-putting. It makes you think. Um, but that, But the point I'm making here, Mikey, is that, our discovery and our journey of mental health is quite cruel. It does put you off from making you believe that you can achieve things in life. Yeah, and I think that's why um, why I do what I do is, is, is probably a few reasons why, but I think one of them is the, in terms of the mental health benefits is because of how low I was and how I was made to feel that I was always wrong. I'd never ever do enough for for this person. Mm. It, it was just I was just I think I was described as a cancer before, mm. um, and you st- you 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 believe it after three years. Yeah. You believe it, and you you come out of there. Well, I came out of there, you know, in a terrible way, but just in time to know that that was wrong and mm. that I got this right. So. It's kind of why, like, just running isn't enough because I learned, I learned to deal with the pain of the relationship, and in a masochistic mm. way, I kind of miss that pain, and that mm. pain is now translated into like physical pain of climbing the mountain. Now, climbing a mountain is fine; most people do it on a Sunday. But I want to do it with a stupid heavy weight, and I want to try and race the clock. You know, it's like yeah that is what keeps driving me and I kind of use mm. those emotions in a much more positive way because you know it's like I yeah. learned I learned to live that way and I kind of miss certain elements but if I can take any positivity from it then I will yeah and it's it's great because it's that you know we like to live comfortable lives but you know yeah. for me I can resonate with what you say there Mikey because you know I've had experiences myself you know I, I do enjoy to live uncomfortably but the things and experiences that I do that are uncomfortable, I'd rather apply it to movement, exercise, running, trail running, whatever it might be. You know, I do like a challenge in life, but I like a challenge in life that brings positive outcomes. Yeah, and and that's that's what you've got to do. I mean, just one of the things that is amazing when you're doing something like the fan dance, for example, even just training there. If you've got a military bergen on and you're going up in a van. Mm. everybody knows your your training everybody knows what you're doing because it's so renowned mm. particularly local and just countless times I've been up there and just a member of like Joe Public will say like oh how much weight have you got in that you know just mm. assume it because uh, I got a rucksack it's going to be fucking heavy you know it's not just got my sandwiches in it <laughs> things like that when they're saying it and they go I went for um it's called tabbing uh, by the way so running with like a weighted backpack yeah. it's called tabbing uh Tab, T-A-B, stands for a Tactical Advance to Battle. Mm. It's a military term, and it's a military exercise. It's basically getting from A to B as fast as fucking humanly possible mm. um, and be at some kind of physical um, sort of capability when you get there. So don't just get there and be absolutely exhausted. So it's about your energy management as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I've been out on tabs before with people and people have been like running and been saying bloody hell I'm finding this hard and I haven't even got the backpack and tell you what that <laughs> as a motivation that's worth any energy jail 
you know, like oh, I don't want, yeah. Just yeah. like and and that's why I do it because like I know it's badass. Yes, it's probably bad for my joints and all that, but I'm enjoying life now, you know. And oh yeah, and you know, let, let's be real. You know, we all, you know, I, I, I like to think that you know, I if I get to an age, you know, when I'm deemed as elderly, that I don't feel elderly. You know, um, I want to keep moving. But yeah. with everything that you just told me, Mike, it, it sounds like you potentially could be Wales' answer to David Goggins. <laughs> I don't know if you've um, read much on, on David Goggins. So, you know, he's, <laughs> Not a, a, he's a t- man, but I think it's been mentioned yeah. before, something like that before, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's the kind of guy, it's like, what can I do to make my body hurt? <laughs> you know, and yeah, you know, he, he's he, you know he's sort of like ex Navy Seal, and I think that's what you get, you know, especially with you know like the likes of um, Ant Middleton, and you know like the numerous series that are on TV because they do allow people to think, you know what, if they're doing it, because a lot of these same guys like David Goggins and Ant Middleton, you know, have come from backgrounds where they've either been dismissed or they've been told that they never will be good enough, and I don't know if that's what made you like have that light bulb moment or you know of like an awakening when you're watching you know at, at SAS who does wins where you're thinking those guys are doing it so why can't I yeah and it's in in a way like I have a lot of respect for them for doing it because a lot a lot of them particularly like ex-special forces people and that will come from broken backgrounds mm. generally they've been through a lot of crap that has given them the um, foundations to deal with it then through a military career for yeah. me, I mean, I, I'm slightly embarrassed to say, but I shouldn't be. But I have had quite a privileged upbringing, to be fair, quite mm. soft. And the toughest thing I'd ever done was existing in my previous relationship. And that broke mm. me. And in a way, I sort of thought that comes across as incredibly pathetic because I've had a really easy life, I've had a difficult relationship. And now this is the situation I'm in. So there is a little bit of, OK, let's prove that actually I've bounced back. but I could be a hell of a lot harder than that, and th- that's that's definitely helped me in a way. Um, you know, so <laughs> David Goggins, yeah, someone did say say something about that, and I didn't quite know what he meant at the time. I had to look into it, but yeah, there's there's always that element of you take something off the list, and you think, well, fucking hell, I've done it now. I'm going to have to um, step it up a gear, aren't I? I'm going to have to go and find. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I, know, I know we can talk about that transparency, can't we, on social media? you know, and um, comparing yourselves, you know, to other people. Um, do, do you ever, you know, with what you told me, do you, do you ever get that feeling that rather than comparing yourself to other people, do you ever compare yourself to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll answer that pretty quickly and pretty bluntly. <laughs> what would answer next? <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Absolutely. Um, I compare myself in in numerous ways mm. i mean the obvious the obvious way to compare yourself is i think i've already said it i did the fan dance last year in four yeah. hours 15. i want to do it in under four hours this year i mean you could mm. that's a that's a, a quantitative um measurement so in terms of yeah. a, a, a qualitative measure, uh, measurement yeah i do still sort of compare myself to myself quite a lot you know where was yeah. i this time last year while i was moaning about an injury well, I'm doing exactly the same now, <laughs> yeah. but respectfully, the injury's a lot worse this year. So it's like, it makes you think, well, all right, maybe I should have sucked it up last year. Well, next year I could could be worse again, couldn't I? So, 
it's every day's a learning curve. As long as you can see yeah, it is. Or development. It's like you say, you know, it's sucking it up with that, you know, um, you know, sucking up um, you know, in regards to that term alone isn't just like, well, just get on with it, you know, just like, you know, just just see beyond it. But it is like sort of planning ahead. It's like, right, you know, um, I am injured, however, I'm on a journey here. You know, my journey will not end. Just like, um, you know, not just physical exercise and uh, physical health, but our mental health as well. Because, you know, the experiences that you go through, there's there's no end goal. You know, it's yeah. a continuous journey. And, you know, people, you know, like, you know, like the phrase, you know, like completed it, mate. It's like, well, no. And for a lot of people who do physical exercise, it's not just completing. It's like, yeah, you might have completed that like, London Marathon, but what's the next step before you know it? It's like, Oh, I'd love to like, you know, uh, run in the Swiss Alps or sign up to Badwater 135 and, you know, it just goes on and on, on. And for me, it's like with my own experiences with mental health and struggling with that, I know that moving helps me, you know, keep my mindset on an e- even keel and think, you know what, anything's possible. If I'm struggling mentally, but my body, I can actually do this physically, you yeah. know, um, it, it, it just makes me find that fine balance yeah it, it does with me as well I think that's why I'm a little bit of a rough patch at the moment because I've got running injuries so mm. I could go for the odd jog but I can't really do running training properly which I need to do no. um gyms are closed so mm. gyms was was my running replacement although I'd I'd always go to the gym anyway but it was like mm. I sprained my ankle a few weeks ago I was like well it's okay I can't run for a few weeks, but I I can still go to the gym, and I replaced it with an extra gym session. So yeah, and now the gym's closed. It's like right, okay, so I can't run, can't gym, and this is where you've got to dig deep mentally and think right. Well, I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. have to do some stuff in the living room because I can't. I'm like you, I can't sit still for four weeks. It will no. drive me mad. And when it's yeah. your therapy, well, you know you've got to look after yourself because yeah, definitely. It's like with with like running for me is 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 my therapy, and for a lot of other people, you know, there's countless people on Instagram whose whose uh, Instagram handles are like running for my life or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's um, that's very true. Yeah. And I think uh, I think this lockdown, people will probably struggle more because of the weather and it's darker. I yeah, think the first one was like kind of exciting because actually we were blessed with glorious weather for two months weren't we? well, well yeah and it's, it's a little bit different and I know that um you know you know everyone in England in particular you know we've got this lockdown now for another well, just three and a half weeks and yes we can meet up with one other person but when it's chucking it down or you know it's yeah. really windy or you know don't know where we'll get any snow over the next um, few weeks or so but it's a little bit more difficult to look out of the window and think, yeah, I fancy going out, meeting, meeting up with a friend, you know, and I think it's important that we keep our bodies moving, you know, it is, you know, is physical health is a spectrum, just like mental health is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, everyone has their own, um, I suppose, physical disabilities is, is fair enough, mm. because everyone has injuries or, you know, like missing limbs or disabilities in, in that respect. But you can always do some kind of physical exercise. There's one guy I follow who um, is called like the amputee rower. And basically he, he has no legs, but he um, he does like rowing, but he does loads of other stuff. Yeah. Some of the things he does, he's, he's fitter than me and yeah. he's, he's missing a leg. 
There's yeah, another yeah. guy who uh, lost two legs in Afghanistan and he climbs mountains all the time. And I think, well, you know, I wouldn't say there's no excuse because everyone can find yeah. their own excuse and it's it's applicable to individuals. Mm. You can't fit. But there are people worse off who are doing far better. And that's yeah. what I use as motivation, I think. Well, Christ, I can't moan about a sprained ankle. At least I've got an ankle. <laughs> Look at yeah, him and yeah. he's climbing mountains, you know, and it's like... And that, that, that's, that's great. And it is, it is motivational. And, you know, I know you've mentioned that, you know, it, you know, you can't make up excuses. And it probably delves in nicely to um, what I wanted to speak about in regards to, you know, the lockdown, the pandemic and, you know, screen times are up. People are using social media a lot more. And, you know, I, I just do think, I, I mention it to um, people I know personally, you know, who are struggling mostly or mentally who, you know, seeing how I've coped, it's like, oh, well, you know, Ben, you've um, always, you know, said that physical health helps you. And you said more than ever, running's helped you compared to anything else that you've done in regards to the movement, you know, whether it's been rugby, football, you know, throwing free weights around or, you know, um, trying out CrossFit for a couple of years. They say, well, why running? It's like, well, just get out. It's it's not difficult. But I think it's that difficulty of running that makes put things into perspective because it is one of the most difficult sports that I've done. Um, you know, and when people have said, well, I've not got the time to go out running. And I think, you know, it's lockdowns and the pandemic, which is easier said than done because it is more difficult than ever, especially with it being autumn turning into winter um, and lockdown 2.0. But I said, well, you know, um, that screen time, what 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 has it been like? You know, I know I'm quite direct with people and they're like, so eight hours, is that right? So you've mentioned that you've not had time to go for a run. You know, um, even if you just go out and it doesn't even have to be a run, but it is important to help your mindset cope during this current lockdown. Just get outside and just discover what's on your doorstep because that weather always looks worse through a window until you get out into it and, you know, yes, those screen times, you know, are evident that, you know, it does make your mental state suffer and worsen. Yeah. And it's also, it's not just the screen time in terms of exactly that, looking at a screen mm. for length of time. It's what are you looking at as well? Because mm. that can, you know, you could look at a screen for eight hours a day. You could be looking at positive stuff, but you yeah. can look at the screen for four hours a day but if you're seeing things that are going to get you depressed and that's mm. going to help like something like the news for example that's depressive you know yeah if you're going to use the screen time use it positively whether it's interacting with friends mm. whether it's you know watching sort of documentaries or something that's going to educate mm. you rather than sort of the aimless scrolling or you know searching for something negative which a lot of people do a lot of people get a kick out of finding something negative you know it's yeah kind of a masochistic yeah. mental thing you know people want to be proved that the world is going to end or something you know yeah, like yeah. The COVID thing, it, it, well it's it's a it's a focal point isn't it because 2020 is you know I, I can say it's been the most difficult year for me personally in regards to my mental health but the journey that I've been on for the last seven eight years where I've experienced you know in periods of ill mental health have enabled me to cope better so I can see the signs were, you know, starting to take a dip emotionally or mentally. The, the way I can, what you've said there sort of actually um, made me realise something. And the way I can explain what I realised is you're, you're right. 2020 has probably been one of the most 
I say one of the most difficult years of my life, mm. but I've been moaning about it quite a lot, but I've also been yeah. quite proud about how I've dealt with it. And in many ways, like I've smashed PBs with running and weightlifting and stuff like that. So I've actually done quite well. The way I can sort yeah. of explain it is that it's like, it's like the exam at the end of the course. So it's like yeah. I've lived my life for 35 years and 2020 is like, right, this is now your exam. We're going to throw you a real shitter here. How do you yeah, deal with great. it? And it's like, although I haven't necessarily enjoyed 2020, mm. I can take a lot of benefits to think like, well, what have I done? Well, the physical things I've done, which I'm quite pleased with, you know, mm, mm. I've, I've potentially saved someone's life from, from suicide. I've reached out to so many more people and realised yeah. how my mental health can help others. Mm. I've learned a hell of a lot. And I think in, in that respect, it's like, well, I actually should be, I wouldn't say grateful for what 2020 has given us, but it's sort of, I, I think I've given it some good answers to the exam, let's say. Yeah, definitely. And, Yes, screen times are up, but with that, I think the art of conversation has flowed a lot better. And, mm. you know, p part of the reason is we're going through a pandemic. So we have all had different experiences to the same subject. We can call it a subject. So it is more relatable. And with that, I believe that it's enabled people I never thought would struggle mentally in being able to open up and saying, you know what? I've had a shit week or I've had a shit few months, you know, um, yeah. would you like to have a chat? Or it, 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 seems, it seems to be that those conversations are actually happening more organically. So it's not like a taboo. It's quite normalised now. I wouldn't say that, you know, breaking yeah. down those stigmas of mental health and discussing it are there yet. And I think we've got a long way to go, but because we can all relate to each other. Oh gosh, 2020 has been really challenging. However, on the flip side, flip side, we've been able to have conversations with each other, reach out to one another because we've, you know, we've not been able to do it physically. So that's why I think it's important. Just make a phone call to random people, which, you know, I express everyone to do that. And it's something that I've done a couple of times throughout the year. You know, I've looked on Instagram or in my phone, but and I've just been randomly FaceTiming people. Some people are a bit put off. Oh, is Ben meant to own FaceTime me or what's he want? You know, because I usually get, I ever had the text message, um, are you okay? You just rang me, was it by accident? <laughs> and my response is, no, I actually want to speak to you. And, you know, it's been with a handful of people who I've, I've never even met in real life and I've only, you know, dropped them, you know, messages on Instagram. Yeah, yeah and it's like, it's, it's like you say, I think because, because it's been, a different experience for everyone else isn't it so it's been the same mm. subject we've all had the same 2020 but like we've all reacted differently but i think it's because it's been so drawn out it's not like it's been an act of terrorism or yeah. like a, a, a grenfell tower fire you know one short sharp terrible incident it's actually been dragged out for so long that it's enabled people to become affected by it that wouldn't have been if it was only half as long. Like my friend, mm. for example, who only said to me the other week that, you know, she's actually starting to really struggle now. But yeah. she's been in this the, the exact same situation since March. Mm. It's only now has it started to affect her. <laughs> and that's sort of my example where like, if there's an act of terrorism, some people, you know, 
something might happen in London, people in Scotland might think, oh, that's terrible. And that would be the last they ever think about it. Mm -hmm. But if that act of terrorism happens in every single city, more people will get, you know, be made more aware to more people. And I think that's what, what this has done, is that actually it's infiltrated every single letterbox within the UK. And it yeah. has naturally made, forced people to help because it's like, oh, shit, I'm feeling terrible. Or maybe I should think about Joe I haven't speak, spoken to for ages, you know, because it's affected every single individual in some way. Yeah. I'd like to think that with what we've all been going through, pretty much worldwide, it's not just being a coronavirus pandemic, but, you know, it is a mental health pandemic as well and I just hope as you know as a world you know even like you know the UK that we don't take our foot off the gas it's that you know whenever you know like if, if there is going whatever the new normal will be we just don't think oh you know it's gone back to normal so you know it just adopts back to how we were before the pandemic happened I hope all these beautiful conversations and really transparent conversations that people have started to have each other continue even when life goes back to being normal and much better i'll i'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you why that's quite important what you've just said and to highlight how important it is i'll sort of i'll set set the standard by asking you the question what does protect the nhs mean to you well it's exactly you know like with what i've just mentioned about it being a mental health pandemic you know it's not that flavor of the month or protect the NHS. Protect the NHS for me is something that shouldn't stop. It's not something that we should have started talking about when the coronavirus pandemic happened. I think there's always got to be a protection of the National Health Service, you know, because that is for me, you know, if we can deem it as an invention, I think it's the most important one that, you know, the UK has ever seen. So, you know, I think it is quite reactive. And we talked about, you know, um, reactive behaviours. Protect the NHS is a reactive slur as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, with applauding, you know, the NHS every Thursday, which happened earlier in the year, it's that we should be applauding everybody, not just the NHS. Yeah. And we shouldn't have waited for it to get to crisis point for us to realise how much of a pivotal service that the NHS has yeah. in everybody's lives. And so the reason why I was asking you that question is, is to sort of highlight that of how important it is to protect the NHS because we know now we're desperate for them, we know what they can offer us. Mm. Um, what you didn't say that perhaps I was hoping you were going to say was more <laughs> people thinking yeah. about it as protect the A&E departments, protect ICU, because yeah. that, that's really what, that's what Boris is on about. That's what he's trying to, mm. trying to say. He's using the overall protect the NHS because it captures yeah. parts what he actually means is we don't want to run out of ICU beds. We don't want to yeah. run out of A&E's wards and things like that. He, does, he doesn't quite mention the mental health side, but I think he should. So people mm. are afraid to overload those parts of the NHS. Well, let yeah. me tell you, two years ago when I was coming out of like a, a, a mental breakdown, mm. and I went to the doctors and... They were basically saying, you know, you, you would benefit from some therapy. Mm. I would have had to have waited a year to receive that therapy yeah. because the NHS was overloaded Yeah. On, from a mental health care capacity. Mm. It, it's, it was overloaded 
still was when COVID is going on. Yeah. Even more so now COVID is going on. So mm. my point, my anger at the sort of sudden realization, oh, we need to protect the NHS. It's like, well, yeah, because of the, the physical illnesses, mm. but you haven't cared about the 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 mental health care capacity yeah. that's already been massively overloaded. You know, you, you can if I broke my leg tomorrow, I could walk into hospital and get a cast. Yeah. If I had a mental health issue and I would have had to have waited a year. Yeah. Though that's not right. No, it's it's not and you know um with mental health services in the NHS, they've been overloaded for many years. They've not been properly funded. I don't believe they've ever been properly funded. And this is what I've seen directly and indirectly. So, you know, I'm no longer a frontline police officer. But, you know, going back, you know, from when I first started as a police officer in 2008 to, you know, last year when, you know, I was no longer a frontline officer is, you know, that a lot of people who, you know, had been in that position where they had told a member of the emergency service or they was discovered by the police or another member of the public yeah. wanting to end their own life or they were in a very bad place mentally, take them to A&A and, you know, you'd hear the same recycled conversations. I've been asking for help for one year. I've been asking for help for four years and, you know, it's not properly funded and, you know, it's a great point that you make. Even to me, you know, um, asking for help from healthy minds and there not being anybody around such as give me a call or me being told this child giving you a ring at 2 p.m on thursday so well i was i was working i couldn't take that call oh well you know we tried to get in touch with you so you know we're close we're closing your record because you've not been able to pick up the phone you know but then then you look at that it's that people ask for help from healthy minds and what happens if on that day they are getting that phone call when they're in a really negative place where they just haven't got the mental capability to actually talk to anyone you know because the the only strength they might have is just to wake up that day and fear themselves a couple of times so a phone call one that is is, you know it is challenging and quite overwhelming they they might not want to take that you know and you make such an important point and you know um, i think with there being a mental health pandemic now it's that if we were already struggling to fund the NHS to assist people with the mental needs prior to 2020, you know, what vision do we have in the future? And, you know, the one question that I do ask everybody who's a guest on the podcast is, you know, if there was one thing that you could change about mental health or the way that mental health is perceived, what would it be, Mikey? Um, It would be... So if I was just to uh, be able to sort of change something, you mean, in, like overall, I would mm. enable everybody to not necessarily experience mental like illness or ill health, because I wouldn't wish it on anybody, mm. but for everybody to just understand what it is like. Mm. Because there, there are a lot of people, um, unlike my... My dad is is a great example. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic guy. Never struggled with any sort of mental health problem whatsoever. Um, and although he saw me at my worst, he didn't quite get it. He didn't know what yeah. a panic attack was. I tried explaining to him. He he had a panic attack when his brother died, or like 
15 years ago, so quite a long time ago since he last experienced anything like that. And I tried explaining to him that that panic attack he had for like a couple of hours is how I felt for about a week. And uh, he, like, he just couldn't get, couldn't get his head around it. And then mm. even after knowing that, he then made a comment about someone else say, a year later after knowing what sort of situation I was in. You know, I was having a breakdown at the time. And he was saying, oh, this person, you know, if he carries on working, he's going to end up, you know, being all goo-goo. And I like, goo-goo? What the hell do you mean? He goes, yeah. oh, you know, like a complete mental case. I went, what do you mean a complete mental case? Oh, you know, he's going to have a mental breakdown. And I was just like, wow, okay. Yeah. I said, I had a mental breakdown a year ago. I was sat on this sofa. I was talking mm. to you about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. It's like, no, you just don't realize that how you just describe someone being completely goo goo and a complete mental mm. case is what your son was like. But you just can't, yeah. can't see it because he had no understanding of what it's like to be that person. Just because I wasn't, mm. you know, running around the walls crying or anything i'd never cried in front of them even though i was having this mm. mental break and that's something something else you know uh, that's that's just the symptom from the breakdown i couldn't actually cry yeah so he because he didn't see that he didn't think i was upset so he would see someone having a mental breakdown it's like crying their eyes out wanting to jump off a cliff i was and the that's same, the, mi- but that's the misconception isn't it it's yeah. That, yeah you know it's that you know if you're having what's deemed to be a mental breakdown you know, you likely, the likelihood is you would be emotionless, not crying or sobbing. It, yeah, you know, we can call it a symptom, you know, it is a symptom, but, mm. you know, I can relate with what you're saying. So when I struggled, you know, I don't have any emotion. I'm very quiet, closed up, whereas that, um, it, probably, it, it probably makes me think that there needs to be an education for everybody who, needs to have an awareness of ill mental health because it's, it's quickly forgotten that, you know, when there's that tag of mental health, well, it's all things negative. Well, it isn't, you know, mental health is really positive things as well. And yeah. I think that it should be educated as part of a child's, um, you know, day-to-day life in school, you know, just like, you know, we had, you know, like social education, sexual education. Well, what about, you know, mental health education? I think it should yeah. be part of the curriculum. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if it's not to some extent, but I mm. think there should be there should be quite key topics in terms yeah. of just explaining what panic attacks are, what anxiety is, yeah. what depression is, and just just enough to sort of that would make it normal. You know, everyone's taught about it, then it yeah. would be normal to for those to be uh, like cases in themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that would sometimes give people just enough to sort of have that background knowledge. Like, you know, we all got taught about those things exactly like I said, you know, whether it's like sexual health or whether it's yeah. physical health, um, you know, even like social aspects. Mm. You know, you're taught about those things. But I think mental health is something that's probably dipped off the radar a little bit in schools. Yeah, it can be. I, I, I'm not saying it should be a regular thing. However, one, one positive is, you know, I think we have also been reactive you know, in the curriculum and, you know, educating children about well, if something doesn't go to plan or, you know, even if it doesn't go to plan, you, you might actually experience this and there's no particular trigger to why you might yeah. feel depressed or anxious. You know, I think we've been quite reactive in schools and, 
you know, I think that's why there's that stigma, especially in adults, you know, around our age and, you know, people who are much older than us, Mikey. Whereas, you know, children, you know, they, I, I think children in school now are quite blessed to have, you know, pastoral leads where they can actually go yeah. and speak to that member of staff about how they feel and about, you know, they feel flawed or feel like shit. Whereas I know that we have never had the luxury of having that because if you cast your mind back at being that age, especially between 11 and 16, it's such a pivotal part in moulding yeah. who you are. I know that, you know, our formulative years, especially when we're a toddler and, you know, going through primary school is important. But if you get to that age of between 11 and 16 and if you are struggling, so well, where do I turn to? You know, so I think yeah. there is a positive there. There are pastoral leads and... I think social media is a big positive as well that, you know, more people are talking about it. And, you know, I think it is more accessible and easier for people to talk about it on social media. And there is that vulnerability of being judged when you're putting out to potentially to a platform of thousands of people. But that's what we need to remind everyone about that showing vulnerability is completely acceptable. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, uh, that's where I also feel quite attached to the sort of military side of things that although mm. I was never in it and I wish I had done and I'm doing all these things now that will give me some kind of taster or yeah you know some uh, some kind of peace that it's like at least I'm I'm doing what I can do um in terms of like what you just said there you know I've just got to like see all the veterans that I I, I follow mm. on Instagram and stuff like that and some of them are like massive mental health advocates hard men that are yeah. broke because of things like ptsd would be one of mm. the main ones but just seeing that it's like it's a completely different side to mental health that like other people would, would experience and and i i really support them for it because you know they've put themselves on the front line for uh, you know for for our country for for our yeah. future and i feel for them when they're left in this kind of state mm. um and that's that's not be sort of like bashing how the government have dealt with them or anything like that mm. it's like it's literally just like you know it is it is just a shame um but it's it's also quite an eye-opener how many of them there are and like mental health supporters there are a hell of a lot in the military and that's that's yeah. one reason why i stay quite close to that because not just the army stuff it's the mental health stuff as well yeah and they are the forgotten heroes and you know you do hear it like well you know that generation they were just tough they got on with it it's like well have they just got on with it really you know and you know my, my grandma you know and she talked about you know living through the second world war you know and you know even even as someone who's not served in the military you know the experiences that she went through yeah she were that group of a generation that just got on with it but you know the stories that she used to tell and you know about how she felt is that bloody hell you know she also you know um, struggled with PTSD as well and that's mm. why this pandemic is important as well it's not about oh well if you've not lost somebody to coronavirus it doesn't mean that you've not been affected about by it well you still very well could have been affected by it massively you know just by what you see you know every day when you turn on the tv or you know go on the sky news app you know yeah. our lives have changed drastically and oh. i don't ever want to see it in the future is that well the people who didn't lose to someone to coronavirus 
have been forgotten about, you know, because there's effectively people's livelihoods and lives at stake. Yeah, or, or to be like branded one of the lucky ones, you know, and it's like, mm, well, mm. you know, because you just don't know what's happening behind behind closed doors, you know. It's, and it, yeah, I suppose it, there, there is like a reflection there, isn't there, to those that survived coronavirus, whether they've had the virus or not, and being like sort of deemed to be okay, yeah. and those that have survived a military career and they're deemed to be okay and it's like well they're actually suffering with PTSD and things mm. like that and it's like you know potentially I wouldn't be surprised if cases for PTSD does go up because some people yeah. are PTSD doesn't mean you saw a bomb go off and that no. and you're scared of fireworks for the rest of your life PTSD the the trauma can be can be anything it can be from grievance so it could be the loss of a parent or, or mm. you know sibling or, so, or, or something you know it could be trauma in terms of you know, there's potential whether I was suffering from PTSD mm. and the trauma actually being the experience of the relationship yeah so you, you you can't umbrella it into like oh actually it's a trauma it's like an incident that happened a very short time and only really soldiers get it it's like whoa yeah. no I think there will be quite a lot of um quite a lot of rise in those cases and there'll be slow burner traumas like mm. my experience you know mine was never one incident it was a three-year period mm -hmm. you know so no, it, it can be so delayed as well ptsd can yeah so it could effectively take you know like several months before you think whoa you know that experience is now playing a key part of my life in regards to flashbacks and you know being able to cope with you know, yeah. things that we would have been able to cope with previously, you know, they become more difficult. One thing I do want to cover with you, mate, is yeah. I was a massive fan, and I know that you've had a lot of positive feedback for it, is the post that you put on Instagram, the acronym MATES. So you just want mate. to tell everyone a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that was, um, that basically come off the back of, chat i was having with a friend who um i mentioned it earlier it was basically like she living on her own through lockdown and she she's fine she's never had any sort of like mental health issues and just messaged me the other day and was like i can't get out of bed you know i don't mm. if, if you've had mental health issues for 10 years i don't know how you've coped because this is day one for me and i'm struggling and that sort of like sort of touched the nerve for me really um in a way that it just made me think well look even the people that you think are bloody solid, are struggling. Yeah. Um, and and I don't like it when people say like, oh, just if you're struggling, just drop me a message because I think that's quite mm. quite lazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you need to be proactive to things like mental health. If you want to help, you need to be proactive. You can't just sit back and, and wait for someone to message you because it just doesn't work like that. Um, so mates was. Um, it was, it was a good little acronym because it encouraged people to, to basically just look out for their mates, um, mm. you know, to, to send the message, um, you know, and, and to, to ask questions like, you know, are you all right? Can I get you anything? Whether it's directly seeing how they are or just just being like, um, you know, how's work going? You know, yeah. It's not asking how they are. It's asking a question that they can answer. They, they could say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really fine. And then they can start saying oh yeah but actually I'm not feeling very good about other stuff mm -hmm. you just open the door and um, 
and it's 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 just something I sort of really wanted to do. And actually, I was completely blown away by how how it took off. I mean, it didn't it didn't exactly like go viral or anything like that. It wasn't the intention, but just like the number of shares I had within a day, it was like 60 shares and then scrolling through Instagram and seeing it on people's stories and just think like, bloody hell, you know, that's actually quite humbling how many people have taken it on board and, yeah. and, and set it out. And I, I think with how passionate you are about mental health is, I know that it won't be something that will just be a one-off on your Instagram feed or anywhere else, you know, and yeah, I know with how much of a humble and sincere guy you are is that you'll be transferring this into your actual own heart life, you know, so like messaging yeah. friends or seeing friends. And it's so important. What I'll do is I'll put a link on this episode so everyone can go straight to that post and, you know, discover more about you and, you know, what that acronym is and why I yeah. think it will be so imperative and positive, you know, to each other. And, you know, I'm a massive fan of, you know, the first part of the acronym, which is, um, you know, M, which is message. Don't be the one yeah. who is passing that vulnerable person the power because they might not have any power to actually send you a message and slide into your DMs, which we've referred to previously. Actually be the one who, you know, has the power, who is messaging that person and not somebody who is struggling. Just message as yeah. many people as possible. How are you doing? What has life been like for you recently? You know, be, be quite direct, you know, ask those open, you know, um, questions because like you've um, alluded to, Mark, it's that asking someone that, oh, how's work been or how are the kids? Well, actually ask about that person, not about the work life or the kids or, you know, about the football. Ask them directly, how yeah. have you been? And, you know, you'd be quite surprised at the um, various responses you will get. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, like to be asked and then they'll be like oh you know actually not that great and that's no one wants to hear someone say not that great no in a way you should be grateful that that they've been that honest and be mm. grateful actually you you've you've found one and essentially if you're you're checking up on people you're you're trying to make sure everyone's all right and if you find someone who's not all right well now your job starts you know you, you started by asking the question your job really starts when mm. Someone does need the help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or you know, just to sort of like reiterate what the MATES acronym sort of stands for. It's like M is, is message. That's like, you know, you be the one to send the message. Mm. And A is, is ask. So just ask the question, you know, give them something that they have to respond to. If you're not going to ask a question, they don't have to reply. If you're going to say, oh, you look great today. Exactly. You don't need to reply. You're going to ask a question. You're prompting a response. And then uh, T is time, and that's quite crucial. You know, you need to give people your your time, and mm. be prepared that that might not just be a couple of seconds sending a message. Because if you're yeah. going to actually hit someone who who is who is struggling, they're they're going to want a piece of your time, and you have to be prepared mm. to give them. And then E is encourage. So you need to obviously be able to encourage them, um, which leads on to S, which is support. Which you know, encourage and support them be there for them because uh, a lot of people are like living on their own at the moment mm. and it can be bloody lonely especially when you can't socialize and if you do it's at a distance and yeah you know, people need to know that people are around there and that's where like mates yeah. came from and especially at this time of the year as well you know i think it's more important than ever you know yeah. that we do reach out to those people who are living on their own 
but yeah, I, I absolutely love it, mate, mate. And you know, I just hope that you do shove it down people's throats because it is an important message that you sent out. Yeah, I, I sent it out to a few groups and things, and tried to tag in a few. Like, I tried to keep it sort of within the, the circles, not just to like mm. any randomers. So, like, I tag in like larger running groups and stuff, and allow them. Yeah. To and some of them have, which is which is fantastic. Um, I don't. I, I sort of little bit nervous because I don't want to be that guy that's that's like too oh you need to do this you need to do that Mm. because it kind of goes back on what I'm saying it's like I want people to do it voluntarily I don't want everyone to on my bandwagon so I'd Mm. rather have 10 people really proactive than 100 people that are half-assed so yeah Yeah. it's just trying to find those good ones that are actually going to keep this momentum going and not just make it viral for the sake of it yeah yeah and we've had discussions about that in the past and is that if mm. you truly believe in the acronym or yeah take you know take hold of the bull by its horns and really push that message but believe in it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so the next um, part of this episode and yeah you know it's a more lighter way to finish you know yeah. tongue-in-cheek and you know it's giving homage to the name of this podcast which is um, a Wu-Tang Clan reference yeah is um, we can't just um, finish by not talking about food or what food you enjoy. Absolutely. So, you know, um, what is your favourite post, long-run meal or snack? Um, I'm, I'm completely not ashamed of this, and I'm sure you haven't got to scroll too far on the, on the Instagram. <laughs> well, you might do, actually, because I, I didn't always broadcast it. But I am a, I am a fully-fledged muck athlete, uh, and a muck athlete is someone that just, destroys a massive mcdonald's after doing some physical activity yeah yeah so, <laughs> that's, that's what i am i could just i could i could almost picture each mcdonald's i've had after each race that i've done it means that much it's like i'll do a race and i'll go to this mcdonald's and i would have had that meal it's like that's that's all part of the event for me you know i'm, I'm not i'm not a clean eater i try and try and hit certain macros yeah. but yeah 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 i'm the same as well you know um living a life of moderation especially with what goes into my mouth it's like you know i'm not a user of my fitness power now but it's like at the end of a working day we've only got you know like well i've only had like 600 700 calories it's like right i've got 1500 calories here right i can afford to go to mcdonald's and smash a big mac meal yeah there's no harm in it i mean as long as you ain't got to live on it every day, that is oh, probably no. ask for trouble. But I mean, yeah, well, once a week, it's fine, isn't it? Oh, great. Yeah. When I did, I was training for a fan dance. It was like, I think it was, it must have been about this time last year. And um, basically, I came off the top of a mountain and I was, I was soaking wet. I was frozen through. And bearing in mind, this, the the place where you park on this mountain is called Story Arms, and there's this red phone box. It's incredibly notorious. And it's like if 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 you're in the circle of knowing what the fan dance is and everything like that, you know the Story Arms, and you know the burger van at the end. Mm. That burger van is just nothing but dog shite. But when you <laughs> been over there, when you hauled your ass over that mountain, gone through the gales and the sideways hail, and you've got down the end, and you're absolutely hanging out your ass and you're starving, you will have that triple burger and bacon mm. and cheese roll. It might give you an upset stomach afterwards, but 
that's what you crave for. That's what you're thinking. Oh, yeah. You're going down that hill, you're thinking, I'm going straight there. That is what I'm having. I'm not going to have, you know, a nice, uh, a nice gluten-free yeah. bagel. Sod that. Yeah. A gourmet <laughs> burger. I, I, yeah. I, call, I call them dirt burgers. You know, like burgers yeah. that come out of a tin. Yeah. So, so um, next question is, what are your favourite pizza toppings? Oh, uh, well, general, I, I'm just going to jump straight in the deep end with this. It's controversial. I don't care if I lose all my followers for it, but I, I quite like pineapple on my pizza. Oh, I... oh gosh. <laughs> See you later, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Nice knowing yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we'll um, end the um, call abruptly. Um, so if you could invite three guests, so they don't necessarily have to be running guests, you know, athletes if they are. Great. Yeah. Well, you could invite three guests to your house for dinner. Who would they be? Um, one, one would be, um, one would be Mo Farah for a running cliche, because <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not into like my track running and like marathons and stuff like that. But actually knowing like a little bit about his background story i think he's pretty bloody inspirational mm. and from what i know of him i obviously don't know him personally he seems like a bloody nice guy and i think if you're interested in running and you've got the opportunity to have him around for tea i think he'd be yeah he'd be on um <laughs> another one it, you'd be surprised it wouldn't be Ant middleton because i think he's a bit of a bellend um but it would be one of the other guys on that SAS Udo's win show be um, Jason Fox. Oh yeah, uh, he, he's he served in the SBS and things like that. And I just think there's mm. a there's a lot of things. I think we've got quite a similar sort of mindset. And I I I actually quite crave having like an afternoon with him, having like real good man to man chat. Mm-hmm. Third one, I don't know Arnold Schwarzenegger probably not now because he's a bit old, but maybe invent the time machine and I'll get eighties Arnie. That'd be good, and then uh, then he can give me some some diet tips. Well, it'd just be <laughs> step. To be honest with you, so it's like, well, it, it, it sounds like coming up with the plot to a, another Terminator sequel. Just coming up with a time machine and the Expendables yeah. Four with yeah, with yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just I just hope um, you know for your sake that when you have more Farah coming round for something to eat that he's not expecting you to have a little bit of corn. I don't know if corn's your thing, but. I know there's a lot. I, I know there's a lot better um, alternatives to me, and Quan for me, it's like you know, bottom of the list. There's a lot of other meat-free substitutes, and yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time for Mole Farrow. I just uh, wasn't a big fan of the um, Quan advertisements. Well, it's, it's <laughs> advertising anything, do you really? So. Yeah. <laughs> All about the Benjamins. All about the Benjamins. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've got some corn, but. I haven't eaten it. I haven't opened the pack yet. It's been in the freezer <laughs> for about 18 months. I, I, I bought it with every intention to reduce my meat diet. What happened mm. was I, um, I put it in the freezer. I bought, I basically, I bought it when I moved into this house and uh, I did my big shop. And what happened was it ended at the bottom of the, the, uh, the meat drawer. <laughs> so yeah. ironically bag of corn i've had for 18 months it's just covered in beef burgers and beef yeah yeah and chicken breasts that are on top of it and uh, the corn never sees the light of day unfortunately sorry mate uh, but yeah i mean the alternative is is you know you could have put it on your own ankle not it had a little bit of a spray i could have put it on my ankle it would have been some use then wouldn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Oh, brilliant. Yeah, and um, finally, what comes first on a scone, jam or cream? Well, I've I've responded to these quite a lot, and I always say it's got to be the jam because it sticks to the, uh, it's not the bread, but it sticks to like the actual doughy part of the, the scone. And then, mm. oh, hang on, what did you call it? A scone. <laughs> right, okay. What, so, well, this, this is a bit that I've had in the past. Is it a yeah, scone this... or a scone? Right, it's a scone. So this is probably oh, no. double. This is probably double <laughs> taboo now. I have jam on top of my scone and then the cream. Mm. And I also have pineapple on my pizza. So it's like, oh, it's, you know, do you just want to delete this podcast now? You might as well knew. No, it's fine. And you know, I, you know, I think you've um, done all right. But I think the message that I can take. And this, this is this is the most important thing that I need to put out to everyone listening is. Mikey's message is don't eat McDonald's every day because what I don't want to happen is somebody leaving a review saying, well, I listened to your podcast and all I've done since is just eat McDonald's every day because it fit in with my own macros. If that's, if that's all they're going <laughs> to take, then they could just carry on and do what they like. Yeah, but, but no, to, be, to be honest, if somebody's saying that, I, I feel like I've made it. Oh, well, you know, if they're going to say that I have influenced them to have a McDonald's every day, Two things. One, that's fantastic that I have such power and I never realised. <laughs> and two, I will be copy and pasting that and sending it to McDonald's because I want vouchers from that. I mean, what's the, what's the point of me endorsing McDonald's? Are you going to hashtag McDonald's and make me sponsored by McDonald's? No, I've, I've, I've just thought of a better um, hashtag, which is the McMikey. McMikey. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah well on that note we'll call it a day um i just yeah. want to thank the king of the mountain for dropping in today you're welcome thanks for having me yeah thank you very much mikey you're welcome hey thanks i would like to sign off by talking about something that is incredibly important right now now is the time more than ever to reach out to one another and drop in on those friends and family members and even those work colleagues even the ones that rub you up the wrong way right now in england we're going through lockdown 2.0 and many other surrounding countries are just going through so much hardship and adversity 2020 has been a year of unpredictability where a lot of structure has gone out of the window and we've been unable to show each other that affection and warmth. After this episode concludes, look at your smartphone and go through that phone book. The phone book on your smartphones are the most powerful tool. Scroll through it and look at those names that come up. Is there any that you pay attention to where you think they've become a distant relative or friend. I've not heard from them this year because right now is the time to show ultimate kindness and reach out to them. Send them a text message, make a phone call or even video call them. They won't expect that. But when they answer, just ask them, how have you been? How has 2020 been for you? Reconnect to one another and see how that goes because it will make a positive impact on other people's lives. I'm a firm believer in that kindness 
is the ultimate superpower and you just simply cannot argue with kindness. Please let's see it prevail and spread like wildfire and have that ripple effect and reach the masses. Thanks once again for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had the pleasure of having with Mikey Goodman. If you found it resonated with you, please leave some feedback and spread the word on social media. Until next time, keep it real and keep on doing your thing.